This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Welcome to another show. I'm your host, John Roseman. The show is called Because I Said So. We are all about parenting and family issues, and uh, welcome for those of you who are joining us for the first time. I'm a family psychologist uh, who doesn't believe in psychology. I think it's a a bogus worldview. It's an ideology. It's a um, set of propositions concerning the nature of human beings that are completely 180 degrees removed from a biblical understanding of human nature. I am not a Christian psychologist. I am a psychologist by license who is a Christian. And uh, I've written about 20 books on the raising of children and other issues that surround that general topic, including a book called The Diseasing of America's Children, which I wrote with a well-known pediatrician named Bose Ravenel. And um, in that particular book, we expose the lack of science behind the uh, big three behavior disorder diagnoses, uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, oppositional defiant disorder, and what is called either Early onset bipolar disorder or childhood bipolar disorder, those are completely bogus diagnoses, folks. And uh, I'm going to cover that in an upcoming program, so you'll just have to stay with us and stay in, in suspense. I write a nationally syndicated newspaper column on parenting, appears weekly in about, uh, I don't know, 200 to 250 newspapers around the country including some major market newspapers. But if your local newspaper doesn't carry the column, you can simply go to my website at johnrosemond.com, where it is posted every week and updated every week. My real qualifications, I've been married to the same woman, Willie, whose real name is Wilma. We met in 1967. I knew, we both knew very shortly thereafter that we were going to get married. And I told her, look, you know, I watched the Flintstones as a kid. I just can't, with a straight face, call you Wilma. So she became, at that uh, point in time, she became Willie. We've been married for nearly 48 years. We have two adult children and seven grandchildren, ranging from uh, 8 to 21. And it's a wonderful life. So I've uh, talked before on this program, just just kind of, uh, you know, skimmed over it, mentioned it, maybe alluded to it, something I call the Good Mommy Club. And the Good Mommy Club is this unspoken sisterhood, um, unorganized. Uh, there's no charter. There's no, uh, uh, you know, set of rules that, uh, I mean, written down that govern the behavior within the Good Mommy Club. But there are implicit rules or doctrine that govern membership in the Good Mommy Club. And um, 
The Good Mommy Club is occupied. Its membership consists of primarily middle and upper middle class women who, when they have children, uh, they slowly drift into membership. Now, I want to make it very clear. My mother did not belong to the Good Mommy Club because there was no Good Mommy Club when I was born in 1947. My grandmother didn't belong to the Good Mommy Club. Willie, when we had our first child in 1969, uh, there was no Good Mommy Club. The Good Mommy Club began to form in the late 70s, early 80s, as women began to believe that good mommies, really good mommies, women who deserved that particular title, did certain things for their children. The overarching doctrine governing membership in the Good Mommy Club is good mommies pay their children as much attention as they can. Now, before I go any further, I have said this before and I'll say it again. The raising of children is not difficult. If you understand children properly, and you can only understand children properly from a biblical perspective, and you understand your responsibilities towards your children, and you can only understand your responsibilities concerning your children from a biblical perspective, I'm talking about properly understand, then the raising of children is not difficult. It is, in fact, relatively easy. There will, of course, be bumps in the road because we're talking about a human endeavor and human beings being imperfect can do nothing perfectly and our children are not perfect. I know that comes as a great shock and surprise to some of you out there who believe you do have perfect children, but you don't. And so there will be bumps in the road in this process that we now call parenting. But bumps in the road aside, uh, minor glitches, uh, short periods of time uh, that are spent in crisis mode, short periods being the operative uh, words there, the raising of children is not difficult. It's a relatively easy endeavor. Why then has the raising of children become so difficult for women? One of the things I do is I in, in front of audiences is I will take polls, and one of the polls I take is, raise your hand if you believe that the raising of one child is the most stressful thing a woman will do in her entire adult life, and uh, nearly every woman in the audience raises a hand. And then I say, well, now, those of you who didn't raise a hand, let me, let me explain this. You may understand from your own point of view, that the raising of children is not stressful, but raise your hand if you understand that this is the most stressful thing the typical average woman will do in her adult life. And even those women who did not raise a hand before now raise a hand. So now we have 100% of the hands in the air. And then I say, well, then here's something to ponder. And that is that your great-grandmother may have raised two, three, even four times as many children as you are raising and experienced less stress in her entire child-rearing career, which might have spanned 35, 40 years, than the typical mother today is experiencing in, I don't know, a month, six weeks, 
I, I don't think that's an exaggeration. I do not think that is an exaggeration at all. Today's mo- mother is a bundle of stress, a bundle of anxiety. Parenting keeps her up at night, worrying about things uh, that are upcoming, worrying about her children's futures, etc., 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 agonizing over things that women 50, 60 years ago just kind of shrugged off as as being, well, everything's going to work out. Uh, everything will uh, fall into place ultimately, and uh, everything's going to be okay. And people sometimes say, well, John, times have changed. I go, no, 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 that's not it. Times have always changed. But parenting didn't change. What happened in the 1960s is parenting changed. We shifted from a biblical parenting paradigm, a parenting based on biblical principles, to a parenting based on psychological principle. And this is where all of the doctrine of the Good Mommy Club comes from. Listen to the doctrine. The Good Mommy pays as much attention to her child as she possibly can. Well, my mother expected me to pay attention to her and made it very, very clear by the time I was three years old that The overwhelming majority of attention in the relationship between myself and her was to be paid by me, by age three, folks. And by the way, by age three, a child either understands that it's his job to pay attention to his mother, or he understands that it is her job to pay attention to him. And let me guarantee you, If a child concludes at age three that it's his mother's job to pay attention to and do things for him, then she will experience the raising of that child as a stressful endeavor. On the other hand, if your child understands that it is his or her job to pay attention to you and understands that by age three, then parenting is going to be a very, or relatively anyway, simple, easy matter-of-fact, practical proposition. There is no reason under those circumstances why it should be difficult at all. The child is paying attention to you. He's waiting for your instruction. He's watching your cues. He's becoming familiar with your body language, and he's figuring out how to properly respond to you, and he's figuring out that The proper way to respond to you is to do what you want him to do. A child who is not paying attention to you is not able to figure that stuff out. And here's a further fact. The more attention you pay a child, the less the child will pay to you. Well, one of the things that psychologists have been saying for the last 50 years, ever since 1965, is that The more attention a child receives, the better, because that pumps up his self-esteem, which, by the way, all the research now associates with uh, all manner of antisocial, narcissistic behavior, which should come as no surprise to people who have read and understand the Bible, who have read biblical passages such as... Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and the humble will be exalted. Excuse me, but you can just insert in there, those those with high self-esteem will be humbled, and the humble will be esteemed. means the same thing. Theologians have affirmed that is a proper paraphrase. 
Anyway, folks, the theme of this show is the Good Mommy Club and the doctrine of the Good Mommy Club, and we're coming up on a hard break. Oh, but it's only going to take a minute or so, and then we'll be back with more of this psychological incorrectness from John Rosemond. Again, if you want to find out more about me, go to johnrosemond.com. In the meantime, we'll be back in a moment. back to the show. Again, I'm John Roseman, your host, and today I'm talking about the Good Mommy Club. The Good Mommy Club being this unspoken sisterhood that women are drawn into when they have a child, when they have their first child. And I maintain, as I said in the first segment of this show, that the raising of children is not difficult, that If you approach children from a biblical understanding of children and a biblical understanding of parental responsibilities toward children, that the raising of children is going to be easy, or relatively so. Yeah, bumps in the road, but relatively speaking, fairly easy, straightforward, matter of fact, not difficult, not fraught with stress, anxiety, guilt, agony, and so on and so forth, which characterizes the experience that all too many women today are having regarding the rearing of children. And this is just wrong, folks. It's wrong. And it has to do with the fact that the American parent, and especially the mother, because she is the consumer of parenting information, the American parent today is experiencing the raising of children as a very difficult thing because we've been listening to psychologists and other mental health professionals babble about children, and and this babble is completely unrelated to a biblical understanding of children or a biblical understanding of parental responsibilities, adult responsibilities toward children. And this babble has made things very, very difficult for the mother, again, the primary consumer of parenting information. She's the parent who ingests this babble by reading and listening and so on and so forth. And it's an ironic thing for me to say because I'm a writer on parenting issues. And, uh, and, and, and by the way, because I am a writer on parenting issues and because I am a psychologist, parentheses, who does not believe in psychology, end of parentheses, I understand completely what I'm talking about. The mother is experiencing the raising of children as a difficult thing because she's ingesting all this babble along with other mothers, and she gets together with other mothers, and they talk about this babble that they ingest, and they reinforce the ingestion and among one another And uh, the parenting, uh, the raising of children just gets more and more and more difficult as time goes on, as the mother worries about more and more stuff. And she worries about this stuff because she has read. You know, I ask, she's reading. I ask women uh, 
who subscribe to uh, parenting magazines, and I won't, uh, for fear of litigation, mention any by name, but I'll say uh, to a woman who tells me that she's recently read a column in such and such a parenting magazine, I will say, well, let me ask you a question. I'm curious. Um, After you have read the magazine in question, do you feel like the message to you has been, Sally, you're doing a great job. Take a load off. Kick your feet up. Uh, you know, take some time off of being a mother. Everything's okay. Or do you feel that this magazine and the, the people writing in this magazine have just given you four or five new things to think about, four or five new mothering assignments. And the woman in question to whom I am talking will stand there for a moment with this sort of semi-shocked expression on her face, and she'll say, well, you know, John, I never thought of it that way, but that that that's exactly the way I feel after I have read this magazine. I, I start, you know, questioning, am I doing enough for my children? And... Um, uh, am I do the things that I am doing? Are they the right things? Uh, are there some more things that I need to be doing in order to 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 impart even more benefit to my kids? This is why I maintain that these parenting magazines ought not to be called things like Parents Magazine and Child Magazine. It ought to be called Mother Magazine, or More accurately, it ought to be called Psychological Boogeyman Magazine because that's what these magazines dispense, Psychological Boogeyman. And as women are reading these magazines, these Psychological Boogeyman, and and to to a great degree, to the, you know, almost 98% degree, when they are reading parenting books, Psychological Boogeyman are jumping off the pages into their heads And these boogeymen begin scrabbling around, uh, drowning out the quiet, calming voice of common sense that's coming from the heart. You know, folks, proper parenting is done from the heart. It's not done from the head. And the more you read, the more you think. The more your parenting is coming from your head instead of your heart. Anyway, the Good Mommy Club, uh, with all of this, with its doctrine, the overarching doctrine being the Good Mommy pays as much attention to her child as she possibly can. And let's go on down the list. The Good Mommy does as much for her child as she possibly can. My mother expected me to do for myself. Uh, My mother, by the time I was three years old, I knew where to get a snack uh, I was not drinking out of a sippy cup. I was drinking out of a, a container with an, uh, an open container, but I was drinking water. I wasn't drinking, you know, liquids that if they spill will stain carpets and furniture and clothing, um, water. And, uh, uh, the good mommy drives her child to as many developmentally enriching after-school activities as she possibly can. The good mommy solves all of her child's problems. The good mommy uh, helps her child with his homework every night to make sure that every paper he takes back to school is flawless. The good mommy helps her child study for tests so that all he makes on tests is A's. The good mommy um, 
talks to her child about every feeling that he has. The good mommy talks to her child about uh, every misbehavior that he um, uh, produces. Folks, it is subscription to the doctrine of the good mommy club that makes parenting difficult. The mother who doesn't subscribe to that, my mother didn't. My mother believed it was my responsibility to study for tests, my responsibility to keep up with my homework. And my mother, this is a very interesting thing, and I've said it many times before, did not care what my grades in school were. She insisted that I do my best, and my best happened to be A's 95% of the time. So she expected 95% of my grades to be A's. But if I had been a C student, my mother would have done nothing to artificially inflate my grades to B's and A's. Nothing. Because my mother would have known that I would have paid a terrible price for that in the long run. And so my mother left me to my own devices. My mother expected me to entertain myself. Oh, no, no, no. The good mother makes sure her child is, you know, uh, properly entertained. Um, The good mummy gets down on the floor and plays with her child a certain amount of time every day, even a five, six, seven-year-old child. Folks, nobody in my generation remembers their mothers down on the floor playing with them. Now, permanent memory begins to develop around the third birthday, so if our mothers ever got down on the floor with us, it was before we were three years old, today's mother will come up to me at a speaking engagement and ask, and I mean, this has happened many times, John... How much time should I spend playing with my six-year-old on a daily basis? How about none? Your six-year-old needs to learn how to entertain herself. Your six-year-old does not need to be dependent on his or her mother for entertainment. You know, this is a very, this is why, again, mothering in America has become so difficult. How in just two to three generations, The raising of a child for the female parent has been transformed from something she approached casually, commonsensically, matter-of-factly, with an overarching confidence in the legitimacy of her authority over her children, into something that has become the most stressful, anxiety-arousing, guilt-producing, agonizing thing a woman will do in her entire adult life. And so I go around the country and I, you know, when I talk, whether it's churches, schools, wherever, in one way, shape, or form, I encourage women for their own goods as well as the good of their children to resign from the good mommy club, to get their identities back you know, to, to get lives for themselves back, real three-dimensional lives for themselves. And uh, I, I'm, I'm aware that I am sometimes successful at this because I will go back to a city, a town, a church, a school where I've spoken before, and I will speak again. And quite often this happens. Uh, a woman will come out of the audience uh, and tell me, John, I heard you three years ago, two years ago, whenever, when you were speaking here, and I took your message to heart, and I realized you were, in fact, talking to me, and I resigned from the Good Mommy Club. And I want to tell you, uh, if I had it to do over again, 
I would do it over again. If I had it to do over again, in fact, I would never have become a member of the Good Mommy Club, but then here's what they say. After telling me they resigned from the Good Mommy Club, they almost always say, and I had to find all new friends. Because a woman who resigns from the Good Mommy Club, uh, number one, she does not receive a lot of approval from her peers, and number two, she does not receive a lot of support from her peers. Folks, this program is too short for me, Uh, (laughs) but that's the way it is. Uh, We're up against uh, the end of the show. Folks, I've enjoyed it. Thanks for being with us. We're here every Saturday afternoon at 5 o'clock Central Time, 6 o'clock Eastern, and so on and so forth on American Family Radio. My thanks to American Family Radio. My thanks to you, my listeners, for staying with us. God bless you all. See you next time.